in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandGunsitDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys. What's going on? Welcome to episode 611 now. 611 episodes of the Ron and Don Show. Yeah. Everyone should get an award for listening. 611 episodes. Uh, if you've lifted, listened to all 611, hit me up on Facebook, Don O'Neill. Uh, I would love to hear from you, and thank you personally. I don't even think I've listened to 611 I don't. I did 611, and I know I haven't. <laughs> yeah, we are live from the Lestrov Studios. Of course, that's uh, Ron's voice over there. Coming up on the Ron and Don Show, the one thing, you guys, as our kids go back to school this week, that we should be thinking about, that we should stop doing according to children's psychologists. Also, let's talk about auto workers who are now on strike, and they want a 46% raise. It sounds outrageous on the top of it, but is it really? And do they deserve a 46% raise? Maybe after we share this story, maybe you'll think differently. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. I was reading some stories this week about AI and the jobs that AI will replace and also the jobs that it won't or the jobs that it will help or hinder. Uh, A lot of us, we talked last week about the writer's strike and the fact that... The writers don't want to be replaced by AI, but I'm sorry. I don't know if they have enough leverage to keep that from happening. Maybe they do now, but they certainly won't have that in the next three to five years. That leverage is going away. And as that little book said, if if, if you've ever uh, had a job, and, and, and Ron and I have lost some radio jobs over the years, read a little book called Who Moved My Cheese? Uh, and it will be really helpful when it comes to your mindset about not looking behind, but looking ahead. I did think that this was really interesting. I saw some pictures of some robots. I've heard Elon Musk talking about robots, robots in the future, what those are going to look like. It seems like everyone's been trying to make a robot that would clean her house or be a butler or any of that. And you, you see some things from time to time. I think the most successful robot out there is probably the Roomba that actually will clean your room. Uh, they have a version of that now that actually mow your lawn. My friends that have those say uh, they actually work really great, right? Because you can set it up, you can go to work, and when you come home, uh, part of your house is clean, which is, which is really nice. I always wondered if those actually really worked or did they get hung up on shag carpet or how did that? Yeah. Anyway, I saw some robots in Vegas working as bartenders, pouring drinks. And when I first looked at that, I went, wow, if you're a bartender, you better look out because there's a robot that's about to replace you at the bar. But then I started thinking about what a bartender does. And, 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 And part of, I know for me back in the day, when I first moved back to Seattle and I lived up in Greenwood and there was a little bar on 85th, one of the reasons I would go in there sometimes, because moving back into the area, I wanted to reconnect with community. I wanted to watch some ball games. I wanted to be around Seahawk fans and Mariner fans. It's also, it was a hockey bar. So I want to, I want to learn hockey from some of the folks there. 
And, and, and it was fun going in there and the bartender's name was Renee. It was fun going in there and having that connection. I know that they're building AI robots right now that will be able to speak and they say they'll be able to, to maybe show, uh, some type of feeling. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work. But Ron, what say you? I, I would be really interested in having a robot make me a drink. I think once or twice because I think it would be fun to watch. But at the end of the day, I still wanna, I still wanna sit at the bar and, and talk to my friend Renee. Don't you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think for all these jobs that people are afraid they're gonna lose to AI, I have a similar answer. It, it, when in life, when you see the writing on the wall for a situation. I believe, and this is probably going to come across a little bit harsh. I, I believe that life doesn't really owe you anything, uh, and it's up. No, to that's you. not harsh. That's called that's called the reality it's, of it's, life. It's up yeah. to you to be able to see what's going on and to adapt. So I'll just use me for an example. I, I had clear daydreams of us when we were on Cairo. I was like, okay. We're going to sign one, maybe two more contracts. I'll be right around retirement age. And then I had it, I had it planned out in my mind of like, man, we've done everything we're supposed to do. We get good ratings. We get good revenue. We do a lot of community service. It's exactly what the company has asked us to do. Uh, I'm going to get a pension. I'm going to do it. I had all this planned out and, and it was mapped out in my brain. And in some ways at that time, I felt like I had earned it. I was like, I've, I've finally paid my dues. I, I deserve this uh, because people had always told us in broadcasting, go to a major market, become a heritage show, and that's what it's all about. And that's what we did. We, we, we came to a market that we loved. We became the heritage show. And so in my mind, I felt entitled to this imaginary future that I had created in my brain, uh, that we would, uh, you know, make it through a couple more contracts, uh, choose our retirement, and then that would be that. Um, and that's not what happened. And so at that point, and this is, I guess, where I would go back to the bartender or to the writer or fill in the blank on, on whatever these jobs are, I, I could have sat there and went, I'm a radio host, damn it. I deserve to, you know, I could have planted my flag in the ground and been like, I deserve a job and they need to pay me and, blah, blah, blah. and then like railed against the universe uh, because my entitlement was taken away from me, or I could say, wow, things really changed. Maybe I should gain some new skills here. Uh, maybe, um, maybe my cheese moved to use the phrase you said before, then that's what I, I chose. It's like, okay, learning how to be a professional realtor was not easy. Um, you know, you, the, you have to go through schooling and get your license. And then the real job begins of learning how to actually be good at what you do. And that doesn't happen overnight. It was very painful. Um, but it was either that, or I could sit around and be the bitter guy, you know, screaming into the void about how my birthright was taken away from me and it wasn't my fault. And so if you're a bartender and you really like hospitality and you see that this automated bartenders might take your job. How do you, what skills can you add to make yourself better than that robot? Yeah, we call it, we, Ron and I call it your unique differentiator. What is your unique differentiator, either as a realtor, a bartender, a radio host, a truck driver, a computer programmer? What is your unique differentiator, an entrepreneur that can't be replaced? What is it that you bring to the marketplace 
that AI does not, for instance. Yeah, and I even think of these, you know, auto workers that, you know, would strike or whatever, or the Writers Guild. It's like, if, if you are the best writer in Hollywood, you've got a job. If you're the best bartender in Las Vegas, there's a job for you. If you're the worst bartender in Vegas, maybe you can be replaced by a, a robot. If you're barely hanging on to the writer's room and you rarely contribute any good ideas, yeah, maybe you could be replaced by AI. And so I, I, there's, I always think of the, the Chris Rock joke when he did um, Comedians in Cars with Jerry Seinfeld and he was talking about how his wife, he was married at the time, uh, his wife was upset with him because their daughter wasn't getting enough playing time on the basketball team, I think in high school. And his joke to Jerry was, there's a way to get on the court. And it's called being one of the best five players on the team. If you're one of the best five players on the team, you get to play on in the game. And if you're not, it does, having your dad yell at the coach doesn't miraculously make you one of the best five players on the team. And so I would say the same thing to writers or to factory workers. I worked in a factory for a while out in Woodenville manufacturing bicycle parts. And the, the, my biggest takeaway from that was I did not want to be a factory worker and nothing against the factory workers. There were people there that had worked there for 13 years and they enjoyed, I guess, making bicycle parts. That to me lit a fire under my butt to say, I need more skills because this job will crush my soul. If I have to sit here from, uh, you know, for 10 hours a day and make bicycle parts, uh, so that a big company can make a lot of money selling these retail, that will, it will crush me. And, and I, after I got off of that job, I would go home and I would work on skills and I took classes and I learned software packages and I just learned how to do other things because I knew that I didn't want to be that person. And, and so, and none of it was ever easy. Yeah. And so I, that would be, I guess, my answer to basically all of these different facets is if you allow your job to be taken over by AI, then you weren't paying attention. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I remember a couple of years ago, there was a gentleman on the radio by the name of T-Man. He was on Cube 93. We worked for the same company at the time. In fact, it was T-Man that called me and said, Hey, I just had this job offer down in San Francisco. I'm not going to take it. I think you guys would be great for it. And T-Man w- was on in San Francisco, another radio station up here in Seattle on Cube. And he was making $2 million a year. And what happened is consolidation, when consolidation started to happen, and they called it putting the talent on the bird. When they started saying, hey, you know what we're going to do is we are going to take radio hosts, and instead of being on in two markets, they'll be on 20, and then they'll be on in 200. Someone like a Rush Limbaugh. I mean, Rush Rush Limbaugh, you guys, was personally putting almost $100 million in his pocket each and every year with all the radio stations that he was on, right? Because he was on the bird. And at those radio stations where they used to have local talent, that local talent would get fired and they were gone. So anyway, they went to T-Man one day and they said, hey, we we want to continue to have you here, but we can't pay you $2 million. We can pay you $500,000. And he said, see ya. He was done. He's never been back on the radio since. He decided at that point in time he was going to go be a coach and a real estate guy, and he was going to invest. He's a very good poker player. Yeah, a very good poker player. And then uh, he ended up moving with his family back to New York and his boys. He's on the school board there, uh, and he and I have stayed in touch over the years. That same job today that Rob had, 
that paid $2 million, and he could see it coming, that then they offered him 500000 If he was sitting in that chair today, the guy that sits in that chair makes sixty grand. Sixty grand, because the radio market has eroded so much. As you're listening to this podcast, guess what you're not listening to? You're not listening to the radio. Our jobs in a very similar fashion, the people that ended up replacing us or the people that are in the building don't get paid near what I used to get paid. So when people say, why don't you go back to the radio? Why don't you go back to the radio? It's like, because the cheese moved. If you walk into Cairo Radio today, there used to be three stories. The, 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 on one of the stories, there's no one that there's, there's no one. They, they have this big lease on this building. There, there's no one on the basement story. When Ron and I got there, it was full of people. It's full of administration people. All those people have been replaced either by people in Salt Lake City or AI. It's all been replaced. When you go upstairs to where all the managers were and they had all their offices, many of those offices sit empty. They sit empty. And then if you go in the places and spaces where the talent, if there's talent there and they're working, they're working and they're doing it for pennies on the dollar and they're working, they're, they're, they're working in a very cheap fashion because the people that are very talented, you think about Brandy Cruz that went in and, and filled in for Dory. They offered her that job and she's like, no, I'm going to go do my own podcast because I can make more money doing that. I can build a bigger audience and I, I don't need the radio station to do that anymore. Right. And so she went and did that and she has built a very successful career as a result of that. She saw the cheese moving. So she started, she went over to Q13 and then she started something called Cruise News. Uh, congratulations to her, by the way. I think uh, she's getting married next week. So that's just an example in our industry with the T-Man and Brandy, how the cheese moved and people that continue to stay in the and, and You can go up to your boss and you can demand more money and they're not going to give it. They're going to give it less because they know you're not going across the street because there's not an opportunity. So the only opportunity that you have is to work cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Speaking of that, that's what's happened in the auto industry. And now the auto industry is saying, hey, we want 46% more. Are they going to get it? Let's talk about that on the other side of this. You guys, what's going on? Happy summer. Ron and Don here for Les Schwab. It is the summer driving season and they have a huge sale coming up. They have this every summer. But they're doing something I haven't seen them do ever. This is pretty cool if you want to drive into a Les Schwab and boom, immediately put $200 in your pocket. Yeah, right now on the summer sale, you get a prepaid MasterCard valued at up to $200 when you purchase a set of four qualifying tires. You can save an additional $50 when you purchase the tires with your Les Schwab account. Sale ends on July 8th. All right, so Les Schwab, schedule that appointment right now at LesSchwab.com or when you see one of the 84 locations, you can just drive in and, and take a look at that time. You can stop by any location, tell them Ron and Don sent you. That's $200 with four select tires. Les Schwab, they've been doing the right thing since 1952. Investors, listen to me. You know, some investors aren't really investors. They're flippers. They're looking to buy a house and uh, flip it. But did you know that 40% of all Americans that hold a mortgage were refinanced down to a 2.8, 2.9, or 3.0? That's why you don't see any homes on the market right now for investors unless, unless you're willing to get in there and compete. 
and not flip. That means investors, instead of being a flipper, you have to do what I do and become a buy and holder, right? And we can teach you how to buy and hold investors with a Ronadon sit down. Yeah, it all starts really simply with a Ronadon sit down. It's about a 30 to 45 minute Zoom call, free of charge. There's no obligation. We'll see if we make a good team. Email me directly, ron at ronadon.com, or you can go to the website, ronadonsitdown.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Oh, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show again. If you need us, we are your realtors. We are your brokers. We are your advocates. We are your friends. And we are so good looking. <laughs> well, one of those is not true. Anyway, uh, all you have to do is go to ronadonsitdown.com and we'll sit down with you today. And if you refer uh, one of your friends, please let us know because we'd love to send you uh, something really cool in the mail for your referral. Okay, ronadonsitdown.com, ronadonsitdown.com. Let's do that today. This is kind of interesting because you think about Detroit, the auto workers, and you go all the way back to Henry Ford. And building the Model T, that's where they did it. They they built they built the Model T in Detroit. And then World War II started to happen. They converted all those factories and they started building something called the B-29 bomber. In fact, it was his son that was in charge in making sure when the president called the Ford company and said, I need a bomber and I need it every hour. They said, well, we need more labor. Where are we going to get the labor from? Well, down in the South, right? There were a lot of African-Americans that were down in the South that were that were looking for jobs. And so many of them migrated up to the Detroit area. That's why when you look around Detroit, you see so many African-Americans. That's because they came for jobs. They lived in shanty towns. Then they converted those fa- factories back from the B-29s and they started building automobiles again, right? And then all of a sudden, we saw a lot of these auto uh, makers go absolutely bankrupt. And then we saw the United States government have to step in and say, hey, is Chrysler, are they too big to fail? Is Ford too big to fail? They were all struggling. And what was really interesting, what did a lot of those auto uh, companies do? They started making parts overseas, and then they started assembling those in assembly plants, but not in Detroit. They wanted to get away from those high-cost Detroit auto workers that not only wanted a a fair wage and some would say a high wage. They wanted to be paid for the rest of their lives. They wanted those pensions. Those pensions are what really broke the auto industry. And so what did a lot of these companies do? They did what Boeing did, or at least tried to do. They said, these unions are killing us. We can't afford to pay you and make a profit. So we are going to head south. Isn't that interesting? A lot of those African-American workers came north and they headed up to Detroit to work. And then to get those jobs, some of them have had to turn around and go back south because what were the, what was the auto industry interested in doing? 
we want to build automobiles here, but we don't want to have to deal with unions. And if we do deal with unions, we now have the leverage they do not. And what we're not going to do is pay pensions anymore. So that's kind of why pensions went away. But that's one of the reasons why pensions were here in the first place. So when you wake up this morning, it's interesting because we are not only building cars, assembling cars in the South again, and not just American cars, but you can look and you see things like BMWs that used to be put together down in Mexico. They are being built and put together and snapped together here in the United States. You can buy a Toyota that even know that those parts have come from other parts of the world was completely assembled here in the United States. I have friends that won't buy a Toyota unless it was assembled here because some are still assembled out of the country and then those are brought in. I thought it was interesting. You have auto workers that are saying, hey, uh, we're going to strike unless we get an increase of 46%. Ron, in the age age of no pensions, of cheaper labor, of AI, and the fact that it seems like these auto companies, which are now screaming profits, as many of them begin to lean and say, we're going to build battery-operated cars. And in fact, in Oregon right now, they think they found the biggest lithium deposit anywhere in the world. So let's see what happens with that. Do you think these auto workers... Do they have the leverage to get a 46% raise, let alone even a even a 6% raise? Does this, this does this seem outrageous on his face? This is incredibly fascinating to me because th- the way my brain works. So what they're talking about. So let, let me just back up one second. When you picture in your mind who is your average auto line worker, I think most people would conjure in their mind kind of a red state. Uh, conservative leaning sort of person for the most part. At least that's what conjures up in my mind. And so that type of person, what are the ideologies that go with your typical factory worker or a factory town? Um, it's usually very pro America. Maybe they're, uh, usually vote Republican, uh, very conservative, church going. Like there's a whole sort of theme that goes along with that. And yet th- these workers, and I could be wrong. I'm sure that there's a, a broad spectrum, but that's just the, the stereotypes that I, I pull up in my brain. So a lot of these workers are pointing to corporate profits as their justification to get a raise. Well, that, in a sense, is socialism. That's the ideology of socialism. That's not the ideology of capitalism. So capitalism is... I'm the person or entity that creates the company and takes all the risk. As long as they pay you what you agreed to be paid and it's a living wage or a workman's side, whatever that number is, then you just do your thing. You have no say on what the actual profits are. And so capitalism is we're going to have shareholders and we're going to be beholden to the capitalist system. We're going to keep wages as low as we can profits as high as we can, and we're going to distribute the wealth to the shareholders. That's capitalism. Socialism is, hey, if the company made $23 billion, then the worker should get paid. That's distributing the wealth to the worker. That's socialism. And so it's ironic to me um, to hear these arguments of if the company's profitable, we need to be profitable because that's not how America was built at all. America was built on, we pay you the wage and then the company becomes incredibly wealthy. The corporation becomes wealthy. Stock market becomes wealthy. Wall Street becomes wealthy and you're getting the wage that you agreed to. 
And so for a couple hundred years, that was the model. If we want to flip that model, then I think we need to be intellectually honest with ourselves and say, we really do want socialism. You know, we don't want Jeff Bezos to maybe uh, have a hundred billion dollars and then the factory worker for Amazon have a hundred dollars. I think that's a little simplistic though. So I don't, I don't totally agree with, with, with your assessment of that because what a lot of these companies did and, and we, and, and not only in, in with auto workers, but, but we saw this, we, we saw this in our own industry of radio. We certainly have seen this in tech. They give you some skin in the game. And, and initially, maybe that skin isn't worth anything. But, but over time, if you stay there and you work and the company overall does better, you end up doing better because maybe you have some stock options in that company. That's very, very different because in sto- socialism, nobody has stock options in that, in, 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 in that company. Well, they don't need that's, stock options that in is socialism. A, that, that is a very, but that's how people have become wealthy as well. If, if you stayed at a company and you have worked there long enough, I think some of my friends that were on in the early days of Microsoft that actually weren't getting paid a lot of money, but because they stayed there, they had those options. They had skin in the game. As I shared uh, before, <laughs> one of my next door neighbors came home one day with a Lambo and I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I just bought a Lambo and I retired today. Cause, cause even though he worked for Microsoft and wasn't making a lot of money, ultimately he stayed at Microsoft and he worked because he was invested in that company. I don't think, I I, I don't think there's any socialists that are driving home a Lambo after working at Microsoft for 15 years and retiring. No, I think we're saying the same thing because those stock options are not given to the factory worker. Like your average factory worker, they may be able to buy in and have some sort of corporate match, but those big stock option things are for the management class. No, you were you were you were given those though in 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 the form of a pension. That's where that's that's where your pension comes from, right? It's it, in in that money is invested for you because a lot of people, and this is before the four hundred one k, where 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 people thought, you know what, you're probably too dumb to invest your own money. So we'll invest it for you. And guess what? A lot of us are kind of dumb. A lot of us haven't educated ourselves. Even when it comes to your 401k now, I ask people all the time, I said, do you know that you could take your 401k, self-direct it and go out and buy real estate? That blows their mind. I tell them, do you know that you could direct your own? And there, there are certain conditions. Sometimes you have to leave the company, but you could go out and direct that money. But instead you're paying somebody else that you don't even know to direct that money and they're collecting fees as well. So Anyway, uh, go ahead, finish. I don't. I didn't want to get too, uh, uh, too far off track here. I'm just saying philosophically, if the argument that the uh, the argument the auto workers made, and correct me if I'm wrong, was the company made billions of dollars, we deserve more money. Yeah, that's what, their logic. We're the ones building the cars. If the company's making money, we need to make money. And if we're gonna go down that road, and I'm not opposed to that, if that's the system you want to invoke. Then, then I, I, I will listen to your argument. But when, when it came time to your earlier point, when the United States said, Hey, we're taking our factories and we're going to Mexico. We're taking our factories. We're going to China. We're taking our factories and we're going to Cambodia. Nobody stopped them. Government officials didn't stop them. Uh, the president of the United States didn't stop them. The unions couldn't stop them. The corporation said it's in our best interest to leave these American workers and take our stuff elsewhere. So if now we're saying, hey, 
We want to have companies set up to where when the company does well, the lowest rung worker also does well. I could be convinced to go along with that. Yeah, well, but what, that's not the system we have right now. What, what has changed? What has changed, though, and I'll tell you what changed is in the pandemic certainly contributed to this, but it started before the pandemic. Is a lot of those jobs that we saw overseas have now have now come home, and as these jobs come home, it's one of the reasons why we're in a deflation, stagflation in certain parts of the country because there those auto workers right now, and in certain parts of the country, workers in general, and even you see this in tech. It's it's amazing that there's a lot of tech layoffs, and yet the people that do have jobs in tech don't want to go back into the building. And so tech is saying, hey, if you don't come back in the building, we're going to go ahead and replace you with someone that, that will come back in the building. And ultimately, if we have to replace you with AI, that's what we're going to do. But we're in a very interesting spot, because why are there auto workers in the first place when all those jobs, to your point, went south or they went overseas? Because of the supply chain jam. We and, and also, what, what just it is, it is very unsettling right now to see what's happening in China. You know, China at some point is going to snag Taiwan. You look at what's happening in Russia. They they certainly want more than Ukraine. And you know what they want? Yeah, they want Poland next. And there's reasons for that, and I'm not going to go into it. But they are putting the old USSR back together. And then you see Russia, uh, uh, North Korea, China. You see the connection that they have together. And guess what? Guess what? We, we, are, we have become very dependent on China in order to make things here in America work, in order to snap those things together as we have experienced globalization. One of the reasons why these workers do have some leverage right now, and that's why you pick it right now, is because of that supply chain break. And a lot of these companies that are saying, hey, in order to survive, we have to bring those jobs home. And AI is at a point where it is not mature enough yet to replace those jobs, but it's coming. You see that with the auto workers, you see that with the writers, because the writers know it is not here quite yet, but it is coming. So let's get ours now. We will see you on the other side of this. Ron, I'm here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.Loans. And Mitch, we've seen interest rates rise rapidly here uh, over the past year, 18 months. In the industry, what are you thinking is going to happen going forward? So they're still projecting rates are going to drop here near the end of the summer, definitely within the next year. And that means that now is the time to buy. So interest rates are going to drop. As we've said, we will help with the refinance on the back end. But rates dropping could mean a big influx in demand. Now, right now, there's a lack of supply, a lack of inventory, because people aren't willing to sell and get out of their low rates. If you buy now, you can beat the rush later. Okay, and also, then when the rates do drop, we can replace that rate with the new one. We sure can. Rate and replace. All right, he's Mitch at Mitch.Loans. You can buy now, replace the rate later when it drops, and Mitch take care of your loan fees. It's Mitch.Loans. All right, you guys, welcome back before we get out of here. And again, uh, some of the themes this week have been about kids going back to school. And I I, I have to say, uh, I read this article, and, uh, and, it, and it, some of this really spoke to me because I think sometimes when you're a single parent, a single dad, uh, you, you are your, your child's keeper. 
you are your child's playmate a lot. If you're a single parent, you know what I'm talking about. And that you, you see those choices where you could sit down and play a game of Uno or you could watch TV and they could look at their screen and play a video game and go to bed. Uh, every night that I'm here with my son, I do not like playing board games. He loves playing board games. So before we go to bed, we have a tournament of champions and it's just he and I. And we will pull out the old Monopoly board or we have a new game where we throw burritos at each other. Uh, Ron, you should come over and experience the throwing of the burritos. Or or, or uh, we have a championship game of Uno, right? We play a little Uno with each other. And, 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 and sometimes I can end up being so consumed of making sure that he's happy and okay, because on those days where you see that your child is not happy, uh, it can be gut-wrenching, and you feel like you need to step in and fix that and make that okay. And, Ron, uh, we, we, are, we are learning, uh, and child psychologists and therapists are telling us, hey, when it, when it comes to your child's happiness, stepping in and always trying to fix something may be the worst thing that you can do, right? Yeah, there's an interesting article. I think kids going back to school, and I even think about you and I are doing some more uh, youth football coaching. They said a lot of people get in the habit of only praising their child for a result. Good good grades, way to go. You won the ball game, way to go. Uh, you cleaned your room way to go. Uh, and the only affirmation they get is on things that they achieve. Uh, you know, way to ace the test. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you got a 90 or I'm glad you got a hundred. And so they said, what can begin to happen with the child is that you're not, you're validating only the performance. So they feel this pressure to always perform mm. and to always achieve. Yeah. And then when they're not happy, the parent steps in. Why aren't you happy? Right. You need to, <laughs> you need to achieve more. <laughs> if, if you, you know, keep getting good grades, that'll make you happy. Keep winning the game. That'll get you happy. And, and it was a reminder to me, especially, you know, these are not going to be my kids that, that I'm going to be coaching and coaching other people's kids is there's going to be a kid on our team. That's the best athlete that's probably going to be the easiest for him to score touchdowns or to throw touchdowns um so i i don't want to just praise that kid how do i praise the effort that another kid gives so how do i praise a kid that is trying really hard how do i praise a kid that dropped the ball but you know ran the right route Whatever it may be. And I even think back, I was watching the, the Colorado Deion Sanders game over the weekend. Pressure pack game. They ended up winning. It's been an amazing story in college football. But at one point, one of his players fumbled the ball and they lost it. And that kid came back to the sidelines. And a lot of people, I think, if they have a, the caricature of Deion Sanders, expected him to rip into this kid. This is a huge game, and my name's on the line. There's a lot of pressure, and why? How could you fumble that ball? Deion just walked over, put his arm around that kid, gave him a pat, and was like, "Hey, man, we're moving on." Like he didn't yell at him. Was very mater- uh, paternal uh, to this young man on the sideline, and I was like, "That's he's a good coach." Yeah, because he knows that kid 
If he yelled and screamed at that kid, it was not right for that kid. There's probably other guys on that team that you do yell and scream at, and he knows which buttons to push. But to bring it back home, for even for non-athlete athlete kids, is to get in the habit of not just praising the result, praising the attributes and the things. Instead of saying, you know, good job on the test, man, you're really tenacious when it comes to studying. That's great. And so you're praising the tenacity. Yeah. I love the way that you you like to read at night. You're you're I love your curiosity. Um, I love the fact that, you know, you are organized when they, they clean the room. I think if you stay organized, that's going to help you out in life Yeah. as opposed to just cleaning the room because I told you to clean the room. Yeah. And I, and, and I, and I think along with that, it, there's a time to not praise. There's a time to sit in something. There's a time to feel uncomfortable and let them know that, hey, we're going to sit in this uncomfortableness and I'm going to just sit in it with you. My son told me the other day that that he he really wants to, we're, we were going over goals for the years and I asked him what his expectations were with, with grades and other things and what his expectation was of himself. And he, he uh, really wants to have a girlfriend. And so... He's made it a goal this year that he's going to ha- have a girlfriend. So we 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 kind of talk through that and why he has that goal and where that came from. And then I asked him, "What does it feel like to not have a girlfriend?" And so all these emotions of sadness came out, and all these emotions of he sees other kids at school holding hands and do, and 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 it makes him feel a little inferior. My instinct is to fix it for him, to sell it to him, what the future's going to be like, and you're a good-looking guy, and you're, and 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 after reading this art, I just I just sat in it with him. I didn't try to fix it. Ron is really good at this. I'm not. Like I, my immediate instinct when I see someone hurting is to encourage and fix. And and I don't know if it's something Ron that you've learned or if it's your your natural instinct. You, you're you have a better instinct at going. Oh, well, how does that feel? Which makes me feel like Priscilla, my therapist, a little bit. Just she would sit in it with you versus try to fix it for you. So that that that's different, and that's hard to do sometimes when when we when we want to jump in and and save our kid. Yeah, uh, it is more difficult, and I think. Um Again, we're going to be interacting with a lot of kids as they go back to school, even if it's a niece, a nephew, a friend, a neighbor. I think picking out that thing that is a, is a character trait or an attribute, encouraging them on that, um, and, and allowing them their space to be uncomfortable with the new year, all, all that stuff is, is good. Yeah, and, and, and our kids don't always have to be happy. Uh, as you think about this, and we'll leave it here, Think about when you were a little kid and you didn't have a phone and a screen. For some of us, maybe you didn't have a brother or sister. And you were completely bored. But you know what? Uh, You had a bike with a banana seat. And you had a piece of CDX plywood. And you had some CMU bricks. And maybe you had a brother you could jump. So you go out, you'd build a ramp, put your brother under the ramp, and then you'd jump him. (laughs) 
Greatness comes from boredom. So, hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. We really appreciate you. If you need us, just reach out. We would love to work with you for a real estate deal. And if you're thinking that the uh, 2024 might be your year, let's beat now. Uh, We have a first-time buyer that um, reached out to us. We're going through the process. It's taking some time. It's taking longer than he thought. But I know we're going to get a good result in the end. So start now, and we'll get you, as Don used to do, what was the phrase about water skiing? We'll get you planing on one ski, or... What's that? We'll get you on one plane. Some water skiing. I've never said that. We're going to get you planing. We're going to plane you on the water. I've never heard this. Do I know you? Who are you? It's ronandon.com. Who are you you quoting? I'm trying to quote. There's a famous quote about... (laughs) Getting up on water skis. Well, you're getting you're planning on a water ski, yeah. Right, but I, I'm. That's the. Anyways, you you get what I mean. We're gonna ronandon.com. We're gonna get you up out of the water. I'm playing. I'm playing. That's very inspiring. We should yes. we should write that let's down. Make a t-shirt on. We that. should let's get a billboard. Put that up everywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, head up, shoulders back. We love you guys. Thanks for making us your broadcasters, your friends, and of course your realtors. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Ron and Don Show. On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Only.